Well, good morning. Welcome to the jar. We're so glad that you're uh, here today. And we are in the middle of our campaign series called Just Walk Across the Room. I think there's a banner. There it is. And uh, this past week, as I was thinking about uh, this series, I was just preoccupied with people. I mean, everywhere I went, I was looking at people in stores, at restaurants, on, in the street, uh, in other cars. I was just looking at people. Now, I wasn't looking at them in a weird kind of way. You know, I wasn't stalking them or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I was just looking at people. And I was constantly uh, asking God, you know, God, if um, there's a person that you want me to walk across the room for and to show your love to, would uh, you just give me a prompting? Would you uh, let me know? And uh, just let me know and I'll do it. Well, let me give you an example this week of how me having an openness to walking across the room, how God honored that and actually uh, did something that was pretty cool. This past Wednesday was my wife Jennifer's birthday. It was her 29th birthday Again. And uh, we went out to uh, the Japanese steakhouse called Domo here in town. And uh, I had flowers waiting, you know, at the grill when we walked in. And uh, we took our daughter, Jordan, and, and Jennifer was real excited. She, I, I had pampered her and, you know, things were really going good. And we got to the hibachi grill and the hibachi chef came out, if you've ever uh, been to a Japanese restaurant, they have this big grill, and a chef comes out, and they uh, light it up right at the beginning, huge flame. So they, he lights it, whoosh, Jennifer's hair catches on fire. No, I'm joking, but in that, <laughs> I knew that would be shock value, you know? No, 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 no. But it is a hair-raising experience, you know what I mean? All of you are, see, you're awake now. I knew that would help. But, uh, you know, that he did that, and, uh, you know, we ordered our food, and uh, our daughter, Jordan, she doesn't say the word cook, but this is her kind of sign language for cook, so she's cooking with the chef, and uh, we're eating, and, and all of a sudden, I just lifted up a prayer. I said, God, if there's anyone you want me to walk across the room to connect with uh, while we're sitting here, you know, just let me know. And we kept eating and eating, and I didn't feel any prompting whatsoever to walk across anywhere. And then about halfway through the mill, I looked up and there was um, a gentleman that was walking towards me. And uh, he looked really, really familiar. And I just kept staring at him like this. And you know how like when a person starts staring back, after a while they kind of like turn their head because they're like, why are you staring at me, dude? And I'm staring. I just was like, man, I know that guy. And we're sitting there and... All of a sudden, it hit me. It was Skip. Skip and I used to party in college. And uh, we hung out together. We went to school together. And I hadn't seen Skip in 16 years. And uh, now Skip and his wife and his two boys were just 10 steps away. And uh, we got to the end of the dinner. And at Domo, uh, they bring out this, uh, you know, uh, pineapple kind of... Uh, birthday cake concept and, uh, you know, the embarrassing song that Jennifer loved. And they bring this gong out like the gong show 
Uh, that tells you how old I am. If you're under 20, you won't know that. But it's just like a birthday wish, and you gong that and Jen did, and everything's embarrassing. And I uh, looked to Jennifer, and I said, it's time to walk across the room. Do you see that guy over there? Do you remember him? Now, remember, Jennifer is not as enthused as I am, you know, about this. She's 32 weeks pregnant, okay? And it's her birthday. And her back's hurting her and, you know, all the pregnancy stuff. She kind of looked at me and she goes, okay, yeah. I go, but do you know who he is? Yeah, it's Skip. It took me 10 minutes to figure out and I'm the one that partied with him. She knew Skip right away. And so we paid our bill and uh, we took 10 steps. And we walked across, and I said, hey, uh, I don't know if you remember me, but um, we went to college together. My name, uh, do you remember who I am? And uh, he just kind of looked at me, and he goes, I remember who you are. (laughs) And then there was this long pause. And I was like, did I get in a fight with this guy? You know, was there like some beer thing that happened, and I didn't pay? You know, I wasn't sure what was going on. And then he said, you're Chris Bunch. I was like, whew, thank God. And uh, he said, I remember uh, being at the YMCA in Newcastle a few years ago, and you were playing basketball there. You didn't see me, but I saw you. And I was like, cool. And so we started talking a little bit more. And I looked down, and Jordan is nowhere to be found, our daughter. And Jennifer, you know, I'm kind of looking at her. She's looking at me, and I realized that was my job. And... Uh, So I start looking around. I can't find Jordan, but I find the aquarium, which Jordan loves fish. And I look over there, and her head is plastered against the aquarium going, Daddy, fishy, fishy, Daddy. I go, yes, I know, but we're trying to walk across the room, not to walk to fish, you know. And and so I come back to the um, table where Skip and his wife are eating, and here's my wife. Talking freely, confidently, you know, talking with Skip's wife. She already knows the kids' names. Found out that Skip is a dentist in Newcastle. They were at IU a Medical Center at the same time. They're going back and forth, and I'm just sitting there. I'm going, great, way to go, you know, and she just keeps talking. Now, Jennifer is an introvert, not like me. I mean, it takes a lot of guts for her to, you know, do this, and she's just doing it naturally, and everything's going well. And, you know, about ten minutes into the conversation, I haven't said anything, and, and I'm getting kind of ticked. Because it was my idea to walk across the room, you know, and she's just like, oh, and, uh, you know, and, and everything's going, and I'm getting mad. And I'm thinking, hey, you know, Miss uh, Walk Across the Room Lady, my idea, you know. And then all of a sudden, I just felt the Spirit say, Bunch, get over it. Isn't she doing a great job? And she was. And for 20 minutes, we just sat there and talked. Now, there was no conversion after that. There wasn't this moment of Jesus, you know, that came to him. There wasn't uh, even, hey, would you like to come to the jar? But you know what? Within that conversation, who knows what God might do with that in the days, the weeks, the months, the years ahead. Folks, I just want you to know that I'm in this together with you. I'm learning just as you guys are learning how to walk across rooms. 
We're not doing this series so we can become the biggest church in the county. We're not doing this because of any other reason except we simply want to become better at becoming people who walk across rooms regularly. Because walk across the room type of people are the best type of people who can be used by God in situations to help people who are disconnected from God to come into a relationship with Him. And the reason we do this, folks, is because that's what God's heart's about. God's heart is about walking towards us and letting us know how incredibly in love He is with us. Now, with that in mind, what I want to do is just kind of quickly review what we talked about last week, just so that we're all kind of on the same page, and then we're going to go into what I call 3D living. Now, last week we asked two questions. The first question was this. What is the single greatest gift you can give to someone? What's the single greatest gift that you can give to someone? And this is what we said. To introduce them to the God who created them, loves them, and has a purpose for their life. To introduce them. That's the key word. To introduce them. Not to convert them, not to uh, coerce them, not to chastise them into actually believing. It's just introduce them to this God who's incredibly in love with them. Now, the second question that we asked was this. How do we share the single greatest gift? Once we know what it is to introduce people, how do we share it? And the first thing that we said was this. You must be willing to leave your circle of comfort and enter into the zone of the unknown. We said you have to leave your circle of comfort and enter the zone of the unknown. In other words, you have to leave your cuddle, huddle, puddle of friends that you know in social situations, looking around the room in the situation that you're in, and just say, you know what, excuse me, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to take ten steps across the room to reach out a hand to uh, someone who might be alone. Now, the second key that we said was this, to listen to the Holy Spirit's promptings. To listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Now, when I say the Holy Spirit, what I simply mean is God's Spirit. You see, about 2,000 years ago, God looked down on planet Earth and He realized that people were rebelling so much against Him that he, the only way that people and himself could be reconciled was if he sent himself. In other words, he sent Jesus, God's one and only Son, to earth. And he taught, and he eventually uh, reached out his hands on a cross, and he died so that every single person could be forgiven and know that they're loved and know that they have a home in heaven. And life works better when we're connected with the One who did that for us. And before He left, He said, I'm going to leave My Spirit here for all of you to direct, to guide you, to help you. And so that's what He did. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's God's Spirit. Now, as you connect more and more with God, you're probably not going to audibly hear God in these promptings. I mean, God's not going to go down and say, Hey, Pete... Now walk across the street. You know, he's not going to do that. But he'll give you a prompting. He'll give you a thought. 
in a social setting in which he'll say, why don't you go across and introduce yourself to that person who's standing alone? Why don't you walk across the break room at work and talk to Joe who just went through a divorce? Or why don't you walk across the street to help your neighbor, maybe who is in need of help with with his yard or something? And the final thing that we said, just to wrap up, was just walk. We said the other thing you have to learn how to do is just walk. Now this might be the first time that you have ever been at the jar. It might be the very first time in which, uh, you know, this whole God thing, you're checking it out and you're figuring it out. And uh, you might be asking right now, why should I invest in another person? Why should I think of someone else? Why should I ever be concerned about walking across rooms? And we said the answer was simply because Jesus chose to walk across a room for you. In fact, he didn't just walk across a room, folks. He walked across the cosmos for you. He walked across to have a relationship with you. He was hanging out in heaven, no problems whatsoever, and he decided he would take on human flesh, walk across the cosmos, die on a cross, so that all of your sins would be forgiven, and you would never have to feel guilty or shameful of anything from your past when you turn to him. And now he says, just as I took that walk for you, I want you to take some walks for other people. And so for the rest of our time, what I want to talk about is after you've taken the walk, what do you do next? I mean, after you have made a decision to walk across the room, what are you going to think about? What are you going to pray about? What what on earth are you going to say? And so what I want to look at is exploring this thing called living in 3D. The steps to living a 3D type of lifestyle. And the first D is develop friendships. The first thing you do is you develop friendships. I mean, if you're going to reflect God's heart, in other words, you want to get to know God more, you want to be on His good side, you want to hang out with Him, then you are going to continuously kind of be on search mode. You're going to be searching for friendships. In fact, you'll have a habit in which all of a sudden you'll be looking to see who can I build friendships with. And you'll be the first one to walk across rooms. In fact, that's what my desire is, that regardless of a person's race or color or creed, that jar people would be the first type of people to walk across rooms, regardless of who they are. And you would walk to put out a hand of friendship You might walk with just a sense of acceptance for that person. Now, you might be asking at this point, well, why should I do that, Chris? Why? Because this is the lifestyle that Jesus modeled. In fact, he says it is the healthiest lifestyle you can live. Do you know that there have been medical research uh, that has come out lately that talks about people of faith, people who are connecting with God, And then people who are willing to give that away, in other words, to serve, to reach out to other people, they live longer. They have healthier minds, healthier hearts, because they're connected to God and they're giving His love away. And in Jesus, 
the healthiest person who ever walked the earth, he was constantly in search mode, searching out for ways to develop friendships. In fact, one of the greatest stories of Jesus building a friendship is uh, found in Luke 19, and uh, it's the story of Zacchaeus. And uh, Luke is in the New Testament, and you can read this story uh, this week if you wanted to. But in Luke 19, and the Bible says this, Jesus was going through Jericho, where a man named Zacchaeus lived. He was in charge of collecting taxes and was very rich. Jesus was heading his way, and Zacchaeus wanted to see what he was like. But Zacchaeus was a short man, and he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, and he climbed into a sycamore tree. When Jesus got there, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. I want to stay with you today. In other words, he was saying, hey, I want to hang out with you. I want to develop a friendship with you. Come down here. Let's, let's connect. And Zacchaeus hurried down and gladly welcomed Jesus. Everyone who saw this started grumbling. This man Zacchaeus is a sinner, and Jesus is going home to eat with him? Later that day, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, I will give half of my property to the poor, and I will now pay back four times as much to everyone I have ever cheated. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today you and your family have been saved because you are a true son of Abraham. The Son of Man came to look for and to save the people who are lost. So Jesus is in this town. He's walking down this road. And as he's walking, he looks up and he looks at a man who's in a tree. Now, any of us who were walking and you see a grown man up in a tree, you'd say, that's a little weird. And Jesus stops and he looks up and he talks to him. Now, if we just stop the story right there, you know the rest of the story, but if you stop right there, we don't know how Jesus is going to respond. He simply is walking, he looks up, he sees a man, and he's ready to build a friendship. But nothing else do we know. But this is what I found in my life. That Christ followers typically respond in one of three ways when they have the same experience. And uh, we're going to look at those three. The first is what I call the E's. These are called the E's. These are the eruptors. Okay? So there are three people who might be walking down and they see a man in a tree or they're in a room and they see somebody. And the first one are called the E's, the eruptors. Eruptors are Christ followers who get all amped up on Jesus. I mean, they got the Jesus t-shirt, Jesus rings, Jesus, you know, tattoos. They have Jesus everything. And they're filled with Jesus, and it's a good thing. It's not weird. And uh, they love uh, His peace and love and joy that they've given. And they're just bursting at the seams to tell someone else about Him. And sometimes, the problem is, they walk across rooms when they shouldn't walk. And they mess things up. But rather than really walking across, conversing, getting to know somebody, kind of going at that person's pace, they're just biding their time with all of the small talk until they can get their agendas in. 
And so they wait, and they wait, and they wait, until they just can't wait anymore, and all of a sudden the other person might be in the middle of a conversation, and they'll just go, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by Him. And it means you, buddy, today, right today. You see, their problem is, they see a person who is disconnected from God. And all of us who are following Christ, our goal is people to try to get a person disconnected from God to take steps to Him. But what the eruptor does is they decide that in the very first conversation, I'm going to get them to Jesus. In fact, when I was growing up as a kid, they used to teach us the story of Zacchaeus with this kind of, uh, kind of thought. In fact, we'll just, you know, I'll sing it for you, okay? And they taught us the story of Zacchaeus as an eruptor. It went like this. Now I'm, now I'm trying to remember there, uh, anybody know that song? No, I'm joking. <clears throat> uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And this is the way we were taught how to do it, eruptor-wise. Zacchaeus, you come down. You're going to hell. No, we didn't say that part. <laughs> But that's the eruptor kind of mentality. And you see, it only hurts people, folks, when you erupt like that. Because God didn't ask you in most occasions, in the very first conversation, to get them to Jesus. And so, if you have a tendency to be an eruptor, and I've been there in my life before, I just got a word for you. Chill. Chill. Chill out. You don't have to get so nervous and anxious and uptight about everything that you, you know, it's your responsibility whether they get to heaven or hell. No, just chill. Okay, here's the second type of Christ followers in situations where they're walking across rooms. And uh, this is what I call the A's, and these are the avoiders. The avoiders. Avoiders are walking down a road, they see a guy in a tree, and they go, wow, there's a guy in a tree. Hey, friend, come on down. They come down, they start talking. Everything's going great. And finally, the person in the tree asks a God question. And the avoider's like, whoa, that's enough. And then they start thinking because of the fact that they're they feel they're inadequate or they're scared or they're fear, fearful of rejection. And they say, you know what? I'm not going to say the right words. I don't know Scripture verses. I'm probably going to screw this up. I've only been to church a couple of times. I'm going to mess it up. And they just shut down. They avoid the conversation. And they blow this incredible opportunity to share and show God's love to this person. You see, this is what the avoider does. They see the person who is disconnected from God, and we know the goal is to let them know who God is because He's done so much for our lives, but they avoid it, and they don't even get a full step in. It's only like a half a step, you know what I mean? Because they're avoiding, they're afraid. 
Now, I'm not going to ask by a sign of hands, but I have a feeling that many of us fall into this category. And if you're an avoider, I have a word for you too. It's not chill out, because you guys are already chilled. You're like, I'm avoiding. I am as chill as chill can be. You don't need to chill out. You need to move out. Okay? You need to move yourself out, taking at least one step to where you help that person who's disconnected from God into a relationship. Now let's look at one more. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus did this extremely well. And it's what I call the D's. The developers. Developers develop friendships. They do. They see a person who's in a tree and they say, you know what, why don't you come down? Let's go to your house today. Let's hang out. Let's get to know each other a little bit better. Let's build our friendship. And even when other people are talking bad about the guy that's in the tree and how much he's cheated and stolen from other people, they just put that aside and they build the friendship. They build the relationship with them with radical acceptance. You see, what the friend does, who is a developer, is they see the person who is far from God and they realize that the the goal is to get them into a relationship. And they just take small steps. It may take months, years, even a decade until they get to that point and then God comes into their life and there's this sense of being connected. And they don't feel erupted on the person they're trying to help, but they don't feel avoided either. Just small steps getting connected to them. And friends, just as Jesus developed a friendship with Zacchaeus and saw Zacchaeus' life change, in the same way, Developing friendships is where 3D living begins. It all begins with being a friend. Because once you are willing to search out and see people as friends, then God begins to open up other doors and you are able to discover their story. In fact, that's kind of the second D in 3D living, is discovering their story. The reason we develop friendships is so we can discover people's stories. That's why we do it. We develop friendships to discover stories. You know, when Jesus discovered that Zacchaeus was a tax collector who had stole and cheated many people out of tons of money, he didn't, you know, say, you need Jesus. That would have been weird anyways, wouldn't it? You need me, in a way he did later on. But he didn't judge him. He didn't critique him. He didn't put him down. He just built a relationship with him. Even when the crowd was saying, why is Jesus eating with a sinner like that? Why is he getting cozy with a crook? Jesus put the friendship above the crowd. He put his friendship above Zacchaeus' past mistakes. And he just learned his story. And because of this high level of acceptance, do you remember what happened at the end of the story? At the end of the story, Zacchaeus says, you know what, because of this friendship we built, I'm ready to give half of my possessions to the poor. I'm ready to give four times back those that I've cheated. 
Now, not every single friendship, okay, is going to have that kind of immediate impact. I mean, Jesus was God, and so he had that kind of power. But every single friendship you develop can have changed lives where people develop and they become closer to God and their lives are changed for eternity. But for those of us who aren't the Son of God, Jesus gives us these words as well. He says, You must be wise, cautious as snakes, and as gentle as doves. Jesus is clear that when you're building a friendship with someone else, that you need to be wise and gentle. Wise and gentle. In fact, when you're just getting to know uh, people, a good place is to start with a common interest. Something that both of you understand. Something that both of you can relate to. For example, in the story that I told last week about the woman at the well in uh, John 4, and you can read that this week if you want. Jesus walks with his disciples, the 12 of them, up towards this well. And there is a woman who has been married five times, been divorced five times, and now the person that she's uh, with, she's not married to. She's just living with them. And Jesus walks up, and the disciples look at this worn-out woman, like Jesus does, and they say, hey, we're going to take a pass on this. We're going to get in our comfort circle down at the uh, you know, lunch place, and so we're going to go down there in town and have lunch. You, you want to come with this, Jesus? Jesus goes, no, I want to develop a friendship. I want to discover a story. And he walks across the well, if you remember the story, and they begin a conversation. And do you remember what the conversation was about? You remember where they're at? They're at a well. So a common interest if you're at a well is what? Water. They're both thirsty. He didn't try to play the God card, you know. He just starts talking about water. And as they talk about water, pretty soon there's an openness in her heart. He hears her story. And now he is able to talk to her about living water. Water that she would never have to thirst to again. And he says, I'm that living water. And the scripture goes on and says that her life has changed. Half the town came to Christ because of her willingness to walk. But it all started with just a bridge being built. With talking about water. He developed the friendship. He discovered the story. Eleven years ago, I was playing basketball at uh, Wilson Middle School. Jennifer and I had just moved to Muncie. Uh, I was going to school long before the jar was ever thought of. And uh, we were playing basketball, and I walked across a gym floor and uh, put my hand out to one of my good, good friends now, Kenny Davis, first time I met him. And Kenny was um, raised in an alcoholic family where there was a lot of abuse. And at the age of 19, his dad died. And when that happened, Kenny's life just kind of spiraled out of control. And uh, he was an alcoholic too and struggled with some things in his life, went through a divorce, different stuff. But from that first time that I met him 11 years ago, God has done an amazing thing in his life. And I want you to hear uh, Kenny's story today. And so would you join me 
in uh, welcoming my good friend, Kenny Davis. Well, we arrived. We have. <laughs> um, well, Kenny, why don't you just kind of begin by uh, sharing with me that, that first time that you and I had met. It's, uh, it's a little bit more livelier than what I had explained. So, uh, I've been playing ball over there at Wilson for quite a while because my wife worked in the family practice residency, so those docs invited me to play with them. So I've been there for a while. And you started coming to play. And, you know, we knew each other for a while and never really talked a lot, but, you know, we played ball together. We were playing one night, and uh, you and this guy that I don't know who he was, because I think somebody brought him, he was there for the first time. You guys were going at it pretty hard, a lot of physicality. And it got to the point where some words were exchanged, some shoves were exchanged. and Now, I wasn't a pastor at the jar yet, okay? So... <laughs> I thought, you know, we're going to separate these two guys because fists are going to start flying any second. It didn't happen, which was good, but it was it was different. Yeah. And I remember later you were tell- you went home and you talked to your wife, Judy, and yeah. can you just kind of tell people what you thought? Yeah, I got home that night and I was talking to my wife and telling her about what was going on. And I said, uh, yeah, this guy, Chris, that's been coming playing ball with him. I said, man, and this guy really were going at it. I thought they were going to fight. Chris? I said, yeah, Chris. She goes, uh, Chris Bunch. I said, yeah. She goes, that's weird because he's, he's in training to be a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so early on, you kind of learned that uh, I was a pastor. And uh, could you just kind of tell me what would have turned you off at that point in our friendship? Anything to do with God at that point in time, because that wasn't a priority in my life. Uh, to be quite honest, I had a lot of atheistic views at that time. I didn't believe. I had lots of doubts and questions. So just about anything you would have done then probably would have made me bolt. Yeah. And can you just tell a little bit about what I did do, you know, the things that were helpful in that process? Uh, you, you didn't push anything. You just tried to be my friend, talk. Called, checked on, you know, how I was doing, how my wife was doing, you know, just different things of that nature. Just You just kind of, you know, slowly build a friendship, let me know that you cared about me, and it was, it was cool. Yeah. And um, there are a couple things that we had in common. Uh, one was uh, basketball that we liked, and can you share how you converted me? <laughs> I don't know if I've converted you yet, but we're working on it. Uh, I'm a... Uh, I'm probably one of the biggest Muncie Southside basketball fans, or Southside sport fans that you'll ever know. And you had called and said something about wanting to come to some games. So I didn't know whether you were a South fan or a Central fan, but I thought, hey, you know what the heck, we'll try to convert you. <laughs> so. Uh, now, can you tell a little bit about the guys that we, uh, we uh, in fact, I was there last night at the game, and uh, the past eight years I've been going to games, and the group of guys that we hang out with, why don't you tell them about them a little bit? Uh, there's, a, there's a group of us that hang out in the same seats that uh, we have been for oh, probably 20 years. Uh, one of our running jokes is that we've sat in the same seats for so long that our DNA is embedded in them, and, and <laughs> we, we feel like they ought to name them for us. 
But uh, the guy, it's a good group of guys, but when you first started coming there, the language could get uh, very salty because we like to officiate from our seats and <laughs> we like to uh, talk to the opposing fans and players. We have a good time. We had a good time with it, or so we thought. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, uh, a good group of guys, but, uh, you know, some of them aren't connected with God and we hang out and I yell right along with them at the refs usually. So um, Now, when we first started the church, I remember uh, inviting you uh, to come to church, and you came, but it really didn't stick. And Can you kind of talk about why? Uh, when I was coming in, it was more or less just to kind of please my wife. You know, we'd come for holidays and things of that nature because I still, you know, I still had the same feelings I had before, but I thought... Yeah. Might make the relationship better at home, so we'll 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 do that part. Yeah. So for you, it was more kind of pleasing duty, making sure that that was the exactly. way it was. Yes. And um, I remember, uh, you know this, Kenny, but everyone else may not know. I started praying for Kenny in 2003, almost every single day, and uh, I prayed that Kenny, you know, would just uh, have his heart softened to God. And at one point, you had come several Sundays in a row, and we were golfing out at Maplewood, and uh, I thought, you know, it's time to take a next step. And so uh, we were golfing, I said, hey, Kenny, would you ever be interested uh, in helping set up chairs at church? And can you kind of tell how you responded? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, there wasn't that I didn't appreciate having a seat here, especially the nice soft ones, but... Uh, <laughs> But it wasn't something that I just really wasn't at that point where I wanted to, you know, commit myself to coming early, getting out of bed. You know, Sunday mornings was my time. Yeah. I when I would get up, the wife would go to church. I could take a nice long soak in the tub, watch Sports Center, kick back and relax. I wasn't wasn't on my radar then either. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember that. Um, and then something happened this past year, though, that really kind of catapulted you and uh, impacted your life. And can you uh, talk about that a little bit? Yeah, this is going to be a hard part here. Uh, last April, my mom was diagnosed with cancer, and it was a very aggressive, fast-growing cancer, and it became pretty aware. You know, we, we pretty clear to us early on that it wasn't something that she was going to survive. It was going to take her quick. Yeah. And um, what kind of happened to our friendship during that time? Uh, it grew. It grew immensely. Um, as I told you, there were, there were maybe two or three people that I thought that I could, I could really share everything that I felt. You know, I, a lot of people, you know, I, I call it the headlines deal. They, they want to know the headlines of what's going on, but once you get to a certain point in there and you get to the meat of the story... You can kind of see their eyes glaze over, and it's like, yeah, I've heard enough now. It's time to move on. You didn't do that. You got, you got closer, and you helped. You helped more than you'll ever know. And I remember uh, one day I finally just called and said, um, hey, I wondered if we could go out, be with your mom, pray a little bit. And can you kind of talk about that moment with your mom, but maybe more importantly, the moment that you and I experienced out in the driveway that day. Right. Um, kind of to set that up a little bit, my mom had had some, some uh, serious illnesses before. And 
almost died. I talked to Chris about it. He'd ask, do you think it would be okay if I went and saw her in her room? And I went, well, I'll ask her. I'll let you know. So I went and talked to her and told her, I said, I have a friend. He's a pastor. I said, he's a good friend of mine. I said, he'd like to talk to you. Come pray with him if you don't mind. She said, hmm. all right. So you'd went and talked to her and prayed. And when I went to see her later on that day, she said, you know, he's a nice young man. And one thing you, that you would really want to know about my mom is she was a very straightforward person. I mean, if she liked you, she would tell you. And if she didn't like you, she would really tell you. <laughs> so we went out there that day, and uh, it was the first time I'd asked her if, if you could come out. She was kind of hesitant because she was still, I think she was still trying to sort through things. But I gave her a few days, and I asked her again. I said, Mom, and I said, would you like for Chris to come out with me and, you know, maybe we could have some prayer and we could talk? She said, yeah, that'd be nice. So we went out. We had a nice long conversation. Uh, one of the things that, that I remembered that was, it was, it was really a, a neat point. You had, you'd been talking to her for five minutes or so. And he said, Margie, she said, uh, how are you with God? And she looked you straight in the eye and she goes, we're on a good basis. I talked to him daily, yeah. Yeah. and we prayed, went outside in the driveway, and I told you, I said, you know, if I'm ever going to see her again, if I'm going to see her in heaven, I've got to change. I've got to change some things. I can't go on the way I'm doing. Yeah. You know, things have, things have got to change, so I can't do it by myself. I need help. I need your help. I need, I need God's help. I need... I need everybody's help I can get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that moment in the driveway was a moment where, hey, God, I'm going to kind of be with you. A few weeks later, your mom died. Uh, I had the funeral. We celebrated that. And, you know, when that, those things kind of happen, sometimes you wonder, is that person going to, you know, it's kind of one of two directions. Either they'll keep going towards God or they'll kind of bolt uh, at that moment. And I wasn't sure. But actually, you just kept growing closer and closer and, Wondered if you could talk about that a little bit. Well, I told her when she was still alive, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to be a better person for you and myself. I said, I'm, I'm going to give this Christianity thing a try again. And I think that made her happier than anything I've ever done in my life. Yeah. So, it, it's, it's, I call it a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, um, during this whole time, I took another step, uh, a risk to kind of see where you were at, and I invited you to our small group to be a part of that. And can you just kind of tell us what was going on in your mind when I called and said, uh, Kenny, you wanna, I think it would be good if you'd be, uh, maybe you'd join our small group. I'm talking to you on the phone, and my mind is screaming, what in the world is he trying to do now? <laughs> like, I really was very, very hesitant because I know, you know, when you talk about the small groups, you always talk about, you know, there's no pressure. You don't have to talk if you don't want to. No one's going to ask you to pray. Um, like I said, I was new to this. You know, I'm still new to it. Um, I don't know a lot of Bible scripture. I don't know a lot about the Bible, but I'm, I'm trying and I'm learning. And I was really, really scared that when I get out there, it was going to be different than what I was told, and somebody's going to say, okay, what do you think about this? 
part of the Bible, I'm going to be looking really stupid. <laughs> but that wasn't the case at all. You know, I mean, when you go there, if if you want to share, if you you can. If you don't, you can sit there like a bump on a log and just take it all in. Yeah. And there's been a couple of things out of the small group that you kind of have grown in and wondered if you could talk about that. Yeah, this last holiday season, uh, I had talked to you at a small group when I said, you know, I was thinking about calling up the Salvation Army and, and maybe, you know, trying to be a bell ringer for you know, a few times. And uh, that was an experience right there. Uh, I was so the Kenny of old would have never called... The Kenny of old would have said, hell no. <laughs> this, this, is not, this is not happening. I mean, the day that I was supposed to do this was the coldest day of the year. When I got out of bed that morning and I looked outside, it was windy. It was like 20 degrees with a 30-mile-an-hour wind. I mean, I had every bit of clothing I could get on. And when I got there, the first hour was okay, but then my feet totally froze. <laughs> I wanted to go home. I wanted to go home, but I stuck it out because it was something I wanted to do. For, I wanted to try to kind of honor Mom's memory by doing that, and I wanted to do it for myself and to do it for others. I kind of wanted to, like I said, take that walk. Yeah. So that was that was something that I really um, didn't tell you. They sent me a letter in like January and told me how much I'd raised for that two hours. I wish I'd have kept the letter. Because for my two hours out there freezing my rear end off, <laughs> I collected an entire $21 some odd cents. <laughs> I was really proud of that. <laughs> the other the other thing uh, that we had that we talked about was you know taking some time and, and praying for some people. And there's a couple of friends of mine that that aren't connected, and I did some praying, hoping that maybe they could you know, come a little closer yeah. and maybe take that step. Yeah. Well, Kenny, thanks so much for sharing your story uh, with us. And uh, would you join me just in uh, thanking him for doing that? Thank you. You just take You see, folks, if I would have pressed, if I would have pushed, if I would have tried to fix Kenny... At any moment in those first few years, and I prayed for six years, he would have bolded, I know, no doubt. But as I continued to develop the friendship by going to basketball games, playing golf, Kenny opened up more, and as soon as he did that, there was an openness for him, for God to kind of get in the middle of that. And soon, I was able to take some steps that were closer. And that leads us to our last thing discerning your next steps, discerning your next steps. Now that word discern simply means to determine or to figure out what your next steps are. I mean, once you've risked walking across the room and you've extended a hand of friendship and you are getting to know the person better, you're hearing their story, you need to ask then, God, is there anything you want me to do more? And with Kenny and with other people uh, that I've reached out to, when I'm in those settings, what I notice is, is that as I'm talking to the person, you know, kind of one-on-one, I just start praying in my head, God, give me direction, give me guidance, give me wisdom, if you want me to say anything more. 
Because every time I don't do that, and I try to figure this thing out on my own, I screw it up. I mess it up. I just really do a horrible job. One of the things when I ask him to serve at the church, it wasn't a God thing. And so when I asked him, he was like, no, you know, because I wasn't listening to that whisper. And so living in 3D, you develop the relationship with the person disconnected from God. You discover their story and you discern the next step. It might be in asking asking them to come over for dinner. The, uh, uh, you know, it might be giving them a book or, uh, you know, we have a whole bunch of purpose-driven life books. You guys want one to give to a friend? We have that. Or a CD or something. Maybe invite them to church. But whatever it is, that next step, folks, when you get to this point, you don't know where you're going to be in which it has eternal implications. And I remember telling Kenny on that driveway that day, I said, I'm so grateful. And I was crying and he was crying because now I know my friend will be in heaven. If you would, as we close, I'd just like you to pull out this little card. It was in your program, if you could pull that out real quick. A month ago, on February 8th, I invited uh, many of you, all of you actually, to write down your name and then to write down two names of people who were disconnected from God. One would be a family or friend. And the other one would be a coworker or a neighbor. Don't try to be, you know, the A student. Just take, pick two people, okay? And if you were here on that Sunday, I just ask you to start praying for them. And uh, if you were here and you remember those names, I just invite you to do that again. Now, if uh, you weren't here and you'd like to think about that, you could do that right today. I'm going to give you some time here, just a couple of minutes, and then we'll be gone. But write down your name. And then a name of a couple people who are disconnected uh, from God that you would pray for. Now, if you were here on February 8th, on the back side of the card is uh, how you can pray for them. One of the things that we said was, all right, you said pray, how do I do that? Well, there's a couple things right there that you can do to pray for that person. And then to ask the question, what is my next step? Maybe the next step is when the NCAA comes up here pretty soon, you invite the person over and you watch games together. Maybe it's scrapbooking. If you're a guy, don't ask another guy to scrapbook, okay? The friendship will end at that point. Um, But if you're a female, ask scrapbooking or whatever it is just to build the friendship. But whatever it is, take that moment. And like I said, if you weren't here, you can put those names down and you can use the back side of the card also uh, to do that. Now, I know that some of you are here for the very first time. You're like, I have no idea what all of this even is. And if you're that person, what we're going to do, we're going to listen to just a couple verses of one of my favorite songs from James Taylor called uh, You've Got a Friend. And uh, if you're here and uh, you don't know God, you haven't connected with him, I'd like you to just imagine that your friend is uh, God and you've got one. But if you're uh, a person who filled this out before, or you did today, that you just maybe pray for these uh, couple of people. Um, so take a couple of minutes, fill this out, and uh, we'll listen to You've Got a Friend and we'll close. I'm not going to sing it, by the way, okay?
down and trouble and you need a helping hand and nothing oh nothing is going right close your eyes and think of me and soon I will be Brighten up even your darkest night. You just call up my name, and you know wherever I am, I'll come running. Oh yeah, baby, see you again. Spring, summer, or fall. All you got to do is call, and I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a friend. Okay, let's uh, stand for uh, closing prayer. You know, uh, Jesus, uh, one day he was in the temple, uh, the church of his day. And um, while he was there, some of the religious people tried to uh, put him on the spot, and so they brought in a man who had a paralyzed hand. And uh, the law stated that you could not heal anybody on the Sabbath, and so they were trying to trick him, uh, a way to get rid of him. And the scripture tells us that when that happened, Jesus looked at the religious leaders in the eye, one after another, angry now and furious at their hard-nosed religion. He said to the man, hold out your hand. He held it out. It was good as new. You know, there are some people that you will be in rooms with today and throughout this week in which they will have paralyzed hands, paralyzed hearts, paralyzed spirits. And they're waiting for someone who would look beyond themselves to reach out and to extend a hand of friendship. To develop their friend, to discover a story, and to discern what the next step is. And just as Jesus walked across the cosmos for you, he wants you to do the same. May it be so this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the patience of the people who are here today who uh, decided not to have the extra hour of sleep but set the time last night to make sure that they were here and even with rain and all of that, God, they came. And God, I pray as they take steps closer to you that uh, it would be embedded in their minds of what it means to step out and reach out to other people as well. And I just pray, God, that you would give them the courage and the strength to take walks this week. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapters 3 and 5 this week. Have a great week. If you'd like prayer for anything, come on up.